Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the text for this morning comes from the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah the prophet, his book of Lamentations. You may be seated. He was 23 years old, a very talented graphic artist. He had grown up in a pastor's home. In fact, the pastor was even a district president at one time. But when he was a teenager, he had cancer. And his parents prayed fervently for him and waited. And God brought the cancer to remission. He was able to finish college at one of the Concordias and go on to practice his graphic artist abilities. And the cancer came back. And they prayed again and they waited. And one of the last things that we did is we gathered around his bed and we all held hands and I led them in singing, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. And all of their waiting led to their son's death. Whether the parent buries the child of but a few days old, a few years old, or in the case of this young man, a few decades old, death sometimes is the answer to our waiting and to our prayer. There are only three accounts in all of the Gospels that are recorded for you and for me of a parent pleading to God, Jesus Christ himself, pleading to him to have mercy and heal their son or their daughter. The first is the one in this morning's Gospel reading where Jairus prayed to the Lord and the Lord went and not only healed her but raised her from the dead. The second one is a Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was demon-possessed. The Syrophoenician woman was the one who said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus commended her for her faith. The third one is only in the Gospel of Mark, and it is of the man who pleads for his son who is demon-possessed. Jesus says to him, if you believe, anything is possible. And this is the text where where the man says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Now we know not from the Gospels how many other parents pleaded to Jesus to bring healing to their son or daughter and Jesus brought healing to their son or daughter because the texts are replete with examples of people bringing ill other people to Jesus to have him touch them and heal them. And you know that some of them had to be parents of their children. We also know that there had to have been a lot of parents who had children who were ill, but because Jesus wasn't in a nearby vicinity, couldn't bring their child 
to be healed by Jesus. And like the young man at the beginning of the sermon, all of their waiting and all of their prayers ended in death rather than life. Now, we don't know why. And we cannot presume to know why. But one thing that you do know very well, and you experience this every day, and that is you know human nature. And human nature being what human nature is, we have to consider that the parents, like Jairus, the Syrophoenician woman, and the man with the demon-possessed son, who prayed to the Lord and waited until God answered it, you and I know human nature that it was very tempting of them and you know it was thought by them. Oh, I'm so glad that I took the initiative to have sought out the Lord Jesus for my son or for my daughter. I'm so thankful that I thought of that. Because that's human nature, isn't it? To consider ourselves being the reason that something good happened to us or to our children. Well, if that is human nature and you agree, as I agree, with how Scripture describes human nature, then the complete opposite has to be a part of the conscience of all of those parents who did not bring their children to Jesus or could not bring their children to Jesus to have him heal them. That they would beat themselves, and you and I are good at that, aren't we? Oh, do we beat ourselves if we fail. It's because I wasn't proactive enough with my child. It's because I didn't believe strongly in Jesus. It's because I didn't take him at his word and bring my child to Jesus to be healed that my child died. It's interesting how we do as parents, isn't it? If it's all good, it's because of us. If it's all bad, it's because of us. Wow, (laughs) who wants to live with that? We do not know why. We do not know why Jairus was blessed with his daughter's life returned. And we do not know why the young man I mentioned at the beginning, his life wasn't returned to his father and mother. His life was taken by our Lord. But here's what we do know. And it's revealed to us through the prophet Jeremiah in this morning's Old Testament reading. Listen. The Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. Now this term, steadfast love, that is mentioned in our Old Testament reading, it's from a Hebrew word, chesed. Chesed means goodness or love. But a better way to understand it, it's not just an abstract love. It's love or goodness in action. So to say, according to the abundance of his steadfast love, it's not as if this steadfast love is out here waiting to be expressed It's already being expressed. 
so that either Jairus is already experiencing the steadfast love before he sees his daughter raised, or it's only when his daughter is raised. It is while he's waiting for his daughter to be raised that he experiences, or better yet, trusts in and finds comfort in God's declaration of his goodness and action toward him. You see, there's always been times of waiting. And God does amazing things in you and in me when we wait. We don't like waiting, you and me. But even though all of the waiting in Jairus' case in this morning's gospel reading and in the woman with a bloody discharge, even though their waiting ended with a temporal or earthly benefit and the family of the young man who died at the beginning of the sermon mentioned to you didn't receive an earthly or temporal benefit, both had God's steadfast love revealed to them in the waiting in the waiting because sometimes the waiting ends with an earthly victory or an earthly triumph or an earthly or temporal overcome and sometimes it doesn't For 42 years we've been waiting. 42 years. And millions upon millions of young babies have been aborted in our country because of a Supreme Court decision that occurred in 1973. And we may never see the reversal of that Supreme Court decision, but we will not and we have not stopped proclaiming that life is a gift from God. Life is a gift from God. And because of what occurred on Friday of this last week, we will wait. And it may not ever reverse in your lifetime or your great-grandchildren's lifetime, but the church and God's holy people wait. And we are worked on by God through these means as we wait because we uphold marriage to be God-given, not man-instituted. And God gave marriage to a male and to one female. That's it. Sometimes... The waiting leads to a victory in this life, but in these two cases and many more that may happen, and in many others that I have not mentioned, the waiting does not end well for you, for me, or for our fellow citizens. But there is one waiting that always ends well. Your and my waiting to be delivered into eternal life. That waiting always ends well. 
Though the other waiting may not end well in this world, that waiting of which all of us have been given since our baptism will end well. That's the life of a believer, a life of waiting. Listen to what Jeremiah says. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Wait quietly. (laughs) Some of us are the quiet type. Some of us don't say a lot. But some of us who don't say a lot sure do think a lot. And that thinking can't be quieted, can it? Then there's some of us who speak a lot. And we can't stop our mouth from speaking a lot. Either way, as God says, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth that were trained by this waiting from young on, waiting upon the Lord. Not that it will always end in an earthly triumph. Sometimes it does, and praise God for those times. But God's love is steadfast even when and in spite of it turning out well in this life. Because we do know it turns out well for us in Christ Jesus. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Now what does Jeremiah mean by saying put his mouth in the dust? The dust is always a symbol of repentance. For us to put our mouths in the dust is to shut up. God is an utterly free agent. Therefore, we do not nor should not reduce his work to human calculations of our reason nor rashly demand of him an account for his actions. God is God. And if you want to account for his actions, look at the cross. That's the only place he wishes to account to you why he acted. And even that doesn't make sense because it doesn't and isn't comprehended by our reason, but by the miracle of faith that an unjust man would choose to die for, I'm sorry, that a just man would choose to die for unjust people. That he who is pure and perfect would rather take your imperfections and filth upon himself. So if God allows us to suffer, as Job said, shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? As God wills, so let it be. The name of the Lord be praised. Job did not simply look at the evil, which is what you and I are tempted to do, to fixate upon the evil. 
Job kept in sight the goodness and grace of God, the chesed, the steadfast love of the Lord, always in front of himself, and with that is what he comforted himself. And with that is how he overcame evil, with patience in the waiting. We don't like waiting. God knows that. God knows that deeply, and that's why he makes us wait. Wait to go home to heaven. Wait for cancer to be healed or not. Wait for a discharge of blood to end or not. Wait for a society to repent or not. Wait for the church to grow or not. We wait upon the Lord. It's only then, and only then, can we say the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, not mine in waiting, because you and I know our waiting. We're impatient and we speak too much and think too much and we don't let God's word and way have its way with us. But great is thy faithfulness in spite of my unfaithfulness. For millennia did the people of Israel wait for the heel of the one to crush the head of Satan. We've been waiting for 2,000 years for the heel and the entire person of Jesus Christ to return with glory to judge the living and the dead. And we still wait. And it will come. Because the one thing we know, waiting for the Lord always ends with salvation for you and me. Always. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds on Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.